Hey, this is Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Today, we are talking about veganism, which is something that is near and dear to our hearts, like all the topics we talk about. And by we, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> I just gave you a look. Like, yeah. Is it? You should see, uh, you should see the look that Bridget just gave me. But so actually, what's interesting is Kristen and Caroline did an episode on vegetarianism and women in vegetarianism. And a lot of emails that have been coming in from that said, yo, let's talk about veganism. And we've even got a few listener emails we're going to mention today about women and veganism in particular. And let me be the first to say, I went vegan about a year and a half ago. So I'm still relatively new to the space. And I am very much not a um, strictly orthodox vegan. I am flexitarian, as flexitarian as they come, and we're going to talk a little bit about why. Uh, but let's let's first define our terms a little bit. And Bridget, what do you, what is your general thought on this? Because I'm I'm curious. Um, well, I I did go through a phase of veganism in late college. Um, it did did, did really? not last long. I went from vegetarian to vegan. Um, hmm. That really started as a as a you know a weirdness around cooking. I think I was once cutting chicken or something. I was cutting some sort of meat, and I just realized. You know, I hit one of those tumors or something that sometimes is in meat, and it was really gross. And I was yeah. like, ugh. Um, I also always kind of felt sensitive around cooking meat, and so I was like, oh, am I cooking it done enough? I don't want to die. Right. You don't ever die from undercooking a, a carrot or something, you know. Right. So it really came from a place of laziness and well, aversion. Yeah. You definitely were like, ew, this is gross. Um, I also when I became vegan, uh, I did that. Purely because I wanted to look cool. Like, no other reason. I just thought it was cool and people were like, oh, I can't eat this. I'm vegan. I was like, well, I want to be like that. <laughs> when was this? What time in your life this was this? This was like, um, like how old is I would have been in my early 20s. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to touch upon some of those philosophies and I do not feel cool being uh, coming out as a vegan, first of all. I feel like we're going to talk about why... I get a lot of judgment, and I come from a very foodie family. I am a foodie, y'all. I love food. I love eating. And so there's a lot of assumptions, I think, that vegans get, which is, oh, you must not love food, or you must not eat a lot. I literally had someone just say to me yesterday, well, what do you eat? (laughs) And I just, like, rolled my eyes a little bit, but... Before we get to that, let's, I guess we should talk about the basics. So veganism, right? The Vegan Society, which is based out of the UK, sort of an advocacy group for veganism and education group. They define their formal definition is veganism is a way of living, which seeks to exclude as far as possible and practical. That's an important part of the definition to me. All forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing, or any other purposes. I say this while I'm wearing leather boots, by the way. So, like, can we just say, I'm not, nobody's perfect. This is not about perfectionism. Having recently talked about perfectionism on the podcast, this is not about compulsive eating or restrictive eating uh, because of compulsive behaviors. This is really about a relationship with animals and the world. And... A couple of stats that I think are important to start off with is that according to data, and there's really not enough of this research out there, but according to data from TopRN to BSN.com, an infographic, uh, which is a little bit dated now. This is from 2006. No, sorry, 2000, a couple of years ago. It's from like 2013 or something. Um, about a million Americans are vegan, which is not actually that many. It's like less than 2%. But... of them are women. Wow. And unlike vegetarianism, which is much more evenly split, veganism is like a total lady thing. It's a total woman thing. So the gender divide for vegetarians is more like 59 to 41, whereas veganism is more like 79 to whatever. So it's also a trend that's on the rise. I think it's important to mention some some more recent statistics from the United Kingdom demonstrated that there was a 350% increase in plant-based lifestyle and diet. So 
veganism was on the rise in the UK in a big way, and I would argue as well here in the United States. That's also interesting because uh, veganism is really on the rise with young people. Um, So we have a study here that uh, says that uh, it's really driven by the young. Close to half of all vegans are age 15 to 34. That's 42 percent when compared to just 14 percent who are over 65. And when The Guardian asked people about being vegan, 67 percent of the 474 folks they asked were under 34. So this is really a movement that's being kind of driven and, and taken over by young folks. It's not your older folks who are going vegan in these big droves. It's 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 young people. Yeah. So there's some component to this that we're going to talk about more in, in a little bit that has to do with social media, which I'll be the first to admit, I was swayed to be to look into the vegan lifestyle uh, more than any other influence, which there's a ton of documentaries out there that people like watch and then become vegan right away. But for me, it was a social thing. So a couple of my friends started talking about their vegan lifestyle and I really love animals. I love animals a lot. And so when I started seeing the implication of, and PETA was very persuasive in my social media feed of sort of how animals are treated in this country and how the food industry, how the meat industry in particular uh, and dairy industry really actually works, the more I learned, the more I couldn't help but become a little concerned. And then it was the Instagram feed of one of my friends who became a medical doctor Mm. that really swayed me. What was she posting? So she was posting two things that were very persuasive. One, medical research that showed that doctors across the United States and beyond are recommending a plant-based diet for health purposes because of carcinogens and the concern with hormones in our milk and lots like little girls are developing mm-hmm. earlier because of hormones that we're ingesting from hormones that they're putting in animals, um, that a vegan diet is being used to treat in a homeopathic way, of course, um, or maybe not a homeopathic way. I don't want to say that. I don't want to like dis- dis- uh, distance this from actual medical science because medical science is turning to vegan diets to treat things like cancer. And I'm not here to say... If you didn't eat so much meat, you wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have cancer. That's not at all what I'm trying to say here. But she was posting medical evidence for health benefits of veganism, which we're going to talk about, and all the great food that she was eating. Yeah. I mean, that last one would, would be the only yeah. thing that swayed me. I'd be like, medical what? Like, it's healthier yeah. than you want? Like, yeah. so, but that looks good. Yeah. So it was like, ooh, that recipe looks great. And ooh, that recipe looks great. So to me, it was like, she had this hashtag, what vegans eat, that she was using a lot. Oh, that answers the question that you were asked. Exactly. What do you eat? Exactly. So, I don't know. It just became all of a sudden much more plausible and persuasive. So, let's let's talk about the four core reasons I've seen vegans come to the lifestyle. And, and these are all four that played a big impact on my desire. The first one is really obvious. The first one is animal rights. There was a argument I was reading around social justice and animal justice. And I think part of the reason uh, non-vegans get very, like, weird about the response to... I'm seeing this weird look you're already giving me, but part of the reason I think people get... Is it defensive about... Hmm. It, maybe it's defensive. That's probably fair. I think it has a lot to do with defensiveness. But here's the thing, okay? However you feel about animals, I really believe that the cow in the pasture kind of wants to be snuggled and held and hugged and not killed as much as my dog does. Yes, absolutely true. That's all this is. And we can tell ourselves whatever we want to tell ourselves about what beings are sentient and what beings are not, what beings, you know, want to live and don't. And I get it. It's a cruel, cruel world out there. But I really think if I can sustain myself in a practical way without having to, you know, support an industry that raises animals for the pure need of killing them and sometimes raises them in the most horrific of conditions yeah. that are that, you know, strips them of their right to exist in this planet with the basic needs that like I think human beings should get, uh, then I, I'd rather not support that. And I'm the kind of person who really aspires to have a pig someday and horses and animals around me. Oh my gosh. And so you're, I can already see you now with a farm in your backyard. Yeah. Definitely. Like urban, like urban farming. Yeah. I'm, it's in the plan. It's in the <laughs> life plan. So I just, 
you know, we think we decide sort of arbitrarily, in my opinion, which animals we give personalities to, like dogs and cats, mm-hmm. and which animals we eat. So there are parts of the world where they eat dogs and cats, and we think those people are different or savage right. or somehow we're better than them in a moral way. And that, to me, seems very arbitrary. So to me, it boils down to I animal rights... You know, they don't want to be killed, and I don't really want to kill them for the sake of my being more advanced or better as a human being in some way. That's basically it. Or or at least, you know, I think the free-range chicken sort of example. Yeah. At least people are, you know, being conscious about how the chickens or how the animals are being cared for before right. they are sent to slaughter. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. And I, I full disclosure, I'm a total carnivore. I, you know, I've, I've gone through phases of no meat mild flirtations with veganism, but I am a meat eater. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way around it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love animals too, right? I, right. I'm a big animal person. Yeah. I mentioned earlier that I became vegan briefly because of like, I just wanted to be cool. And the reason that was is because I was dating someone who was straight edge. And if you don't know what that that means, basically it means you're vegan, you don't drink, you don't, t- you don't use caffeine. And he was militant about it, had straight edge tattoos. And it was the point. And so like, I was trying to fall in with this like very cool, you know, straight edge crowd at the time. And they were kind of very, very into animal rights. And so that was a big part of it that, you know, if you, you couldn't be like a progressive with it person, if you weren't down with veganism. And I embraced that short term, but then it was, it was this idea that, you know, I just, I just thought like, I love animals, and the fact that I eat steak and you know bacon or whatever doesn't mean that I'm like a bad person. And right, I think that right. I think that that was I think that I, I agree that you know you're exactly right that you you know when you eat meat you are supporting this like terrible industry. But I think that when you buy meat, when you buy meat, yes, thank you. Which I have to say, I, I quit buying. Oh, but on occasion, this is like how people talk about drugs. This is how people talk about <laughs> cigarettes too. I definitely quit buying. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like if I'm not. I don't deal well with deprivation. We're mm. going to talk about this in, in, in a minute. But I'm just saying, like, when you put your money behind an industry, we talk a lot about conscious consumerism mm. on this podcast. This is another extension of that. And I think people get really threatened by by the implication that when a vegan says, I love animals, so I don't eat them, what we're saying is you hate animals. Right. It's kind of like, a little bit like racism. Well, so say more about that. So... I don't hate black people, but that's never a good beginning of a sentence. Right, right, right. But if you think about whether you want to call it white guilt or defensiveness or whatever, when I'm not sexist, but like all of those reactions that that tend to be militant and overblown and a little bit like super duper defensive, they feel very similar to the reactions I get as a vegan. So I guess my story about my straight edge boy ex boyfriend is because we had so many arguments about this that came, that always played along this line. And so like if you're someone who is, who is like a preachy vegan and not like we're gonna get into that later, well, yeah, but that you know phrase, this yeah. you know this idea that anybody can live a vegan lifestyle, anybody can do it, and oh, I think it I think it overlooks yeah. the idea that there are oh, people yeah. who already like live in food deserts who already are food insecure and those people tend to be low income or people of color and that when you tell those folks like well the animals you know you need to not you need to only eat this bag of rice because the animals like that to me seems warped and i've i've seen that i've seen that argument play out and i am so uncomfortable with it and i would also never want to put an animal's life over the life of human right like the way we treat some animals in this country like free range whatever Mm. can in some ways be acknowledged or compared to the way we treat people, human beings on this planet in a horrible way. Right. So I'm not to say, like, we should compare those atrocities. You know what I mean? Like, if we talk about the history of racism or sexism or, you know, let's compare our wounds and compare the who's more oppressed. Like, I don't want animals to measure. I'm still here to say humans do have a higher... Uh, moral ground. You know what I mean? Like, I think human atrocities do get to take the cake. But I just want to say, like, to use my privilege effectively, mm. I'd like to use my privilege to stand up for animals I while like I can. That. Not at the cost of standing up for other people, but right. in addition to. So there's lots of... And speaking of people, there's a human case to be made for veganism, too. And that boils down to all the environmental concerns mm. that come with food production. So this is a quote 
um, from Hank Rother, Rothgerberger of Bellarmine University in Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, okay? Which does not strike me as the most vegan-friendly place well, to be. Kentucky is the vegan capital of the world, <laughs> exactly. you know? So he says meat eating contributes more to global warming than even auto emissions. And he cites a uh, report by the United Nations and a 2008 report by the Pew Commission on Industrial Farm Animal Production that concluded that farmed animals contribute 40% more to global warming than all transport combined. In 2008, a German study concluded that meat eaters contribute seven times as much green greenhouse gas emissions as vegans. And I know it's like a little bit divorced, right? So there's a few stages of connection here. But when you buy meat, what you're really putting your dollars behind is not only the slaughterhouse, not only the animals, but all of the trucking, mm-hmm. all of the land use, all of the uh, feed production, and all of the um, industrial sort of industrial process behind meat production in this country that is really not good for our environment. But I guess, I mean, I, I, I buy that, but part of me wonders how could that, I'm, I find it curious that that impact is so oversized because I mean, there are plenty of industries like, like, you know, the cut flower industry, things like that. I, 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 I would, I would imagine that they would be, a similar, you know, environmental impact, but I guess not. Like that's, I found yeah. that to be very surprising. I know. I, I find it surprising too. And I feel like there is, there's just a lot of waste involved in that industry. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not to say that there aren't a lot of jobs in that industry too. So someone else, I can hear the critics already pointing to the fact that there are jobs out Why there. Why do you hate job creation? I know. I know. Why? <laughs> So it's just, I think the way we look at this and we think of how meat production has been commercialized today versus good old fashioned hunting and gathering. And I, I have very different personal beliefs around good old fashioned hunting and gathering. I also realize it's not practical for our country of the size. I'm not saying we should all go back to that stage, but you know, I actually, my mind has been turned around on hunting in that I support conservation via hunting yeah. in a lot of different ways too, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, bottom line is there's lots of reasons why people go vegan. Animal rights are one of them. Environmental concerns are another. Health and budgetary benefits were huge for me. I found very compelling research that shows that, you know, consuming too much meat is bad for you. Right. Straight up. Like consuming the amount of meat that we consume today is far greater than any other time in history. Yeah. You know, thinking about access to meat, which Kristen and Caroline covered very well in the historical look at vegetarianism that they, they had. Um, but also I found that my monthly expenditures were, were less. So it was good for my budget. It was good for my health. I felt better, um, with a few asterisks, which we'll talk about in a second, which is supplements that I think are very important. Yeah. I've often been told if you want to try veganism, that if you do it for like a week or a month or something, that you will find health benefits. And it's too bad that when I tried it, I was like living a an otherwise very unhealthy life. So I didn't get any of those benefits, but they say that even if you do it for a week, right. that week you will feel more energetic or have, or, you know, Interesting. feel more healthy. Yeah. Well, I've heard about like meatless Mondays, mm-hmm. you know, there's like ways that we can all cut down on the amount of meat we're eating because too much is not good for you. And I'm not saying you have to become totally vegan, but a plant-based diet is like has been proven um, to to be very good for you. And if we went into all the health benefits on this podcast, I swear we wouldn't have time to cover anything else. There's a lot of great research-driven medical reasons. But the final reason I want to cover before we take a break, because I know we're, we're gabbing on here, is feminism. Feminism. So I didn't always make this connection right away. What feminism stands for in a lot of ways is to see a woman as a whole human being right. and not a sum of her parts. To not feel objectified for your thighs, perhaps, or your legs, or the hooves that you might have. So what we're buying when we're looking in the meat aisle is an object that we're pretending is not part of an animal. Mm. It's dehumanizing, to use those terms in air quotes, for an animal. Right. Bacon is not bacon. Bacon is a pig pig rear end. But if we called it a pig rear end, no one would buy it. Yeah. I mean, this is so familiar to me. And this is this is one of my earliest... um, introductions to this kind of thinking. So I was a women's studies minor in college, and so I took a lot of classes along these lines. And I took a class on ecofeminism. And I'll never forget, I was so... I think back to that, I was so defensive in that class. Basically, ecofeminism was this idea that 
the environment and women are intrinsically linked. And so one will not be free without the other. And so if you, if women are, are, if, if the envi- if we are not respecting the environment, then vis-a-vis, we, we are not respecting women and that they're combined. And I, I remember thinking, I don't think I've ever had a more viscerally, like, I thought that was such BS that I was like angry that I was angry. I was like angry for weeks about it. And part of me looking back, I mean, I also was like 19 and had a nose ring and was very strident and blah, blah, blah. But, and so if, if it was like, so if someone was selling me what feminism was in a way that did not jive with what I thought it was, I took that very personally and was like very like, you can imagine a 19 year old. You're know. like talking to 19 year olds with nose rings right now. I hope you know that. I was one of you. Yeah. It's okay if I say it. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so for me, this is like really painting the camera back. So I know from doing research around this issue that the people who are more likely to suffer adverse consequences from climate change and climate injustice are people of color and women. I also know that if climate or meat eating is an industry that does, you know, real damage to the environment, what you're actually saying, if you like, you know, take it that far, is that the meat industry then would have an oversized um, negative impact on people of color and women. Yeah. Therefore, if feminism is about, you know, freeing women and folks of color and folks along the gender spectrum from oppression, then I I can see how they're linked. But I think at the time that was just too many steps and I was very angry. This is like a long logical proof (laughs) in logic. It's like a big, really advanced philosophy (laughs) philosophy (laughs) course. Jeez. So I hear you. I hear you. And a listener, Jody, actually wrote in and made a connection to feminism. And when it comes to our environment, our treatment of animals, very clear when she said, is it possible to be a non-vegan feminist? To which I felt immediately threatened, like you might. Like, (laughs) I was once a non-vegan feminist. Can I be ever again? She says, the egg and dairy industry is run off the exploitation of female animals. She writes... Cows are raped slash artificially inseminated repeatedly, and their offspring are taken away from them immediately, I might add. And cows are emotional beings, I might also add. that Like, you can actually see them emote. It's sad. Okay, whatever. You get it. I care. It's immediately taken away from them to have, for us to have milk. Hens are kept in captivity and genetically modified to produce more eggs, which is essentially a birthing process and exhausting for the birds. So think about the lifespan of a milk, a dairy cow. In some dairy farms, in many, many dairy farms, cows are born, they're kept in a cage, they're inseminated, they're given birth, and that's it. That's their whole life. Their children are taken away from them right away. And I think, I think people get defensive because they're saying, don't compare a cow to a woman. I think that's exactly. And it's like, we really, yeah. really need to believe that humans are better than animals. Right. Because otherwise we threaten the risk of standing up for animals at the cost of standing up for people. I think you're, I think that that's so part of it. I think for me, it's, it's just, for me, it's one of those complicated things that I've not fully unpacked, but I also think yeah. it does yeah. come back to me for a little bit, um, along the lines of race, because I do, I mean, this is like, and this is might be something that people maybe don't know about folks of color. This is like a, a thing that is a thing in a black person thing. Yeah, it's like a thing that, that like, yeah, yeah, you might not yeah. know this, but a lot of black folks have a real discomfort and not all, like certainly not all, but a lot of black folks have a real discomfort with this idea that for a lot of white people, they see animals or they're more likely to have empathy for an animal than yes. for a person. And so I think that that so that's like yes. a, a very common attitude. Like I remember seeing this image. I actually think the image was not real as one of those images that Snopes was like, this is not a real image. But after Hurricane Katrina, it was this image of a lot of dogs and cats in a, in a plane. And it was like, oh, these are Ugh. neighborhood pets being flown out. So that image wasn't real. But I think that the reason why it was, oh, like, it was yeah. like an early viral yeah. image is because that tapped into this kind of internal um, thing that I think a lot of black folks feel where a lot of white people will much be much more likely to have empathy for an animal totally. over a black person. And I think that you do see it in things oh, like, yeah. you know, where you people make those arguments like, you know, obviously things like dog fighting are, are awful and horrible and horrible, but it'll be like, oh, well, Michael Vick killed dogs and this police officer killed a person and like, you know, didn't even lose his job, like things like that. Like, and obviously 
both things are awful, awful things to do. So I'm not, I don't, I want to be no, very I clear. Think you're I am totally not, right. you know. I think you're totally right. I feel like this is nuanced and complex and I'm so glad to be talking in this through <laughs> with you. But I feel like I need, I need a quick break because when we come back, let's get, I want to talk about why there aren't more vegan dudes for a sec, can we? Yeah. Where you at, dudes? So we're we're trying to do justice to a very thorny topic here, which is made clear already. And Bridget, I really appreciate that you're the person I'm I'm <laughs> working through all this stuff with because I'm it's complicated. It and is complicated. I, I have complex feelings about it. But one thing we can agree on without a doubt is that there is a strong connection in our society, especially in the Western society, between masculinity and meat. 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 Man meat. <laughs> meat. Right? <laughs> Sometimes you see those ads that, like, so play up the connection between masculinity and meat to the point, and I, and I love meat to the point where it's disgusting. Right. I, I cannot help but call out Arby's right now for... We have the meat. Yeah, like that hyper-masculine, like, I feel macho just chomping into this burger at Arby's, or maybe even a meat box for Father's Day that we might have heard before on this channel? No. No, never. So this this connection between, you know, meat is something that men prepare and eat and need. And also, like, you, were, we were talking off air about grilling mm. being... How grilling is basically... We made it seem like this, like, right. masculine, fatherly thing to do. And, like, it's this weird... It's in a weird way where it's like, oh, that dad man in the grill. It's the only time it's it's appropriate for a man to wear an apron. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also think it's interesting how, and we talked a little bit about this in an episode around whiskey, but um, this idea that if a woman enjoys meat, that like that is somehow sort of like, oh, she's doing this like masculine thing. Like I think about or these it's sexualized, right? Like I think about these yeah. Hardee's commercials, or if you're not from the South, they call it Carl's Jr., where it would be like. Paris Hilton riding like in a bikini, yeah, riding a car. Yeah, and there's one where she's riding a um, mechanical bull while like eating a burger, and you're thinking like, "Are we supposed to want to have sex with the burger?" Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> I'm sure people out there do want to. Yeah. There's something for everyone, but yeah, I think it's totally real. There's definitely a hypersexualized po- like political conversation around. Meat and Manhood, that Carol J. Adams was really a pioneer in. She wrote a book called The Sexual Politics of Meat in the 90s that totally holds up today that talks about this mythology of man the hunter and masculinity being connected with meat. And I think that's a big part of the reason why. And some of the English teenagers who were interviewed about the rise of uh, of veganism amongst teens there, like the 350% increase that we talked about, um, even one of the young men interviewed for that article in The Guardian said, I think there's definitely a, a bit of judgment that I get as a dude who's vegan. Like, vegan men are considered weak or malnourished, and that couldn't be farther from the truth, as evidenced by bodybuilders and super athletes who are um, plant-based athletes. Like, you can actually Google that hashtag, too, and find meatless um, athletes out there showing you that that vegans are just like us, you know? Yeah, and I, I find that idea that, you know, men, and I'm sure that's true that men feel like they are judged as, like, less manly if they don't eat meat. I mean, that's a really clear example of the way that the patriarchy hurts us all. Men, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, like, where you are in the gender spectrum, it yes. hurts us all, and that it's so silly that, like, your choice to consume or not consume this thing ties into your 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 manhood or your masculinity. Right. And, I, and I've seen people make this point, which is, which is, I mean, it's just so silly that being a vegan man somehow plays into your, like, sexual virality that, you know... Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned yeah. that, actually, because there's research that shows too much consumption of meat is connected to performance issues. Ooh, in the bedroom? you know what I mean, wink, wink. Right, and so, yeah, so... If, if that totally goes against the science of this idea that oh if you if you eat meat you're if you don't eat meat you're a girly man and you you know can't satisfy a woman you know that goes not only is that dumb just because it's a it's a dumb thing but also it just goes against the science well it says that there's medical evidence that meat eating does increase a problem problems with clogging of the arteries that can prevent good blood flow mm. to all organs including blood flow to the one organ you're all thinking about right now. And so there is some connection to erectile dysfunction as as induced by too much meat. So it couldn't be farther from the truth. There's um a, a book by a very macho 
artic- uh, author who a lot of feminists gave a lot of rightful grief to when he named his book Meat is for wussies, except he didn't <laughs> use the W for wussies. He used a P there. Ooh. Not even really comfortable saying that on air, but that was his book. He was saying, listen, I don't want to be a preachy vegan, but here's my uh, macho book about the benefits of veganism for us all. What was the what was the um, fallout from that book where people, people like... No, actually, what's been fascinating is he, he was... I was reading a few articles in which he and Carol J. Adams were interviewed together, which was oh. funny because they couldn't be farther from each other on the gender spectrum. And he said, I know that feminists have given me a lot of grief about the title of my book, but I stand by it because I've got men writing me from prison talking about the benefits of a, a plant-based diet. I've got men who are... Um, who would never pick up Carol J. Adams' book, The right. Sexual Politics of Meat, who are going vegan because of the way I've talked to them. And so there's definitely... A, that's fascinating. I think there's a case to be made for it. But what's sad is that what veganism really is all about is empathy for animals. Right. And when we say that men can't be empathic creatures without their manhood being called into question, we're doing us all a disservice. Uh, like, everyone loses in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love to hear from men who are vegans. I know that when I started eating less meat, what was funny is previously Brad, whenever he would cook for us, Brad the Boo, uh, he often didn't cook meat, and I would give him a little bit of grief about it, saying, where's the protein in this meal? Because I'm very nutritionally conscious mm-hmm. and health conscious, and he's all about efficiency when he cooks dinner, which is cool. Like, I've become a much more efficient cook. But uh, I was a little bit giving him some guff, and he, he would say to me, you don't need as much protein as you think you do. And he was right. Yeah, that's definitely true. And when I became vegan, people asked Brad, what do you think about this? Poor Brad. Emily's gone vegan. You must be suffering as a result, which I find really, really annoying. That's that's offensive. It's super offensive and people don't think it is. And he would be like, what? You know, I didn't even cook that much meat beforehand. And, and, you know, (laughs) I'm not going to attest to his virility (laughs) on air. Right now, I'm sweating again. Here we go. But um, but I just think it's important to notice that like Brad and I both eat relatively vegan throughout whatever. Like I'm I'm much more purposefully vegan than mm-hmm. he is. But um, it's tough. Like he would never go around using that label to describe himself. Right. And I th- I know a lot of men who are hesitant to come out as vegan. Well, you just brought up a point that I I think I want to mention for your own safety, which is that in my experience, sometimes people. Do you get very hung up on the label of vegan? And I think I know that you yourself, like you eat mostly vegan, but you know, sometimes you don't. Yeah. Um, and so I just don't want people to be like, she said she was vegan and I saw a picture of her on Instagram. Oh, yeah. With And I'm not sure I'll be vegan forever. Right. You know why? Let's talk about why. Yeah. Should we take a break first? Yeah, let's take a quick break and then I want to hear yeah. why you might not be vegan for much longer. Okay. Well, forever. Forever. Yeah. All right. Okay, we'll be right back. You were just telling us how you might not be vegan forever, and why is that? Yeah. So here's my my thing that I come back to with veganism, is that it's about intention. The intention behind vegan life, the vegan lifestyle, which I think is beautifully explained by that vegan society definition we, we brought up at the very beginning, is about, you know, doing what is possible and practical to stand up for animals. And possible and practical means different things to different people. And... For many folks out there, myself included, food deprivation or deprivation in your diet can be a really dangerous thing. And I'm talking about disordered eating. I'm talking about how veganism can be a trigger for women who've overcome eating disorders. I dabbled. You know what I mean? I was a college woman at one point, mm-hmm. surrounded by a bunch of waifs at, at my alma mater, feeling like, the, you know, I'm, I'm a larger woman in that I am a athletic, I'm an athletically built woman. Right. Waif was never in the cards for me genetically. And I remember dealing with some body image issues myself, like I think almost everyone has. And for me, dieting or restrictive eating with the intent of weight loss or depriving yourself when you're feeling hungry can be really a slippery slope. And I think I I never, if I'm hungry and I have no options, I have no practical or possible way to be vegan and I'm hungry, I'm going to eat whatever I can. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I, that resonates with me. I dated someone who I am 
fairly certain was using veganism as a way to mask disordered eating. And I think it gave this very convenient excuse to kind of have that be something, you know, that it's was going on. Weird for eating disorders. It, it, yeah. it can be. Not certainly not for all. And and I, I don't even I don't you know, I don't know the numbers behind it. But so that was something that I and I think that, you know, if you have dealt with disordered eating, it this idea of, you know, restricting yourself this or restricting right. yourself that, like right. that can feel familiar. And I think veganism yes. can offer yes. a a um a, an avenue for to do that in a way that is less right. obvious. Right, 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 right. And I think it all comes back to your intention behind it. Don't become a vegan to lose weight, y'all. Don't. Don't. It's and- like not actually a guarantee. It's really not that. It's not. It's not the be all outcome. I feel. Like, I have a very positive body image that I'm, like, really happy with my body. It's my one and only right now. But part of the reasons that I um feel like the way I eat my diet right now is helping me maintain a healthy weight has very little to do with veganism. It has more to do with, A, genetics, B, um my active physical lifestyle, the sort of things I do for physical fitness purposes. And then, C, you can – the food I eat is nutritious – as much as it can be, although I have a big sweet tooth and love lots of candy. But you can eat vegan and still eat garbage. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, when I was vegan, I mostly ate French fries. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The potato chip and French fry vegan is real. Yeah. It's just like the pizza and pasta vegetarians I was real. exactly that kind of... I yeah. mean, I have made crappy food choices for most of my adult life. <laughs> well, I, I love I love food. And I'm, I refuse to sacrifice flavor for veganism. I, refu- I refuse to um, risk sort of disordered eating, which can be a slippery slope. And I think there's been a lot of articles I stumbled across in relationship to this rise in veganism in the United Kingdom uh, that I think are worth mentioning. So one, one quote I found really compelling is a health expert saying, it's one thing when a fully grown adult goes vegan, but it's another thing entirely when a still developing teenager tries it, says eating disorders counselor Stephanie Moore. And in my opinion, the fad for veganism among girls is a huge and growing problem. And it's a problem because, A, teenage girls are highly at risk for Mm -hmm. disordered eating and negative body images because their bodies are changing. Although I would say there's plenty of adult adult people out there who also struggle with disordered eating. Um, but this sort of Pinterest perfect lifestyle, this clean eating yeah. as a fad is also a miscategorization of, you know, you can't feel clean or dirty based on veganism alone. Like feeling like a dirty person yeah. for eating food is a very dangerous thought. I pattern. mean, that's not how bodies work. And this idea that, um, you brought up earlier this idea that if you are a woman who gets her pe- does not yes. no, is no longer menstruating, that means that you have hit some sort of pe- cleanness peak. That your yes. body is so clean that you're no longer flushing out these toxins every month, which is just bunk. That's just bad science. It's like none of that is real. You know, that's very, not that's not how it works. Very problematic and controversial. These two uh, vloggers on YouTube, there's a YouTube video called How I Lost My Period on a Raw Vegan Diet, which takes it a little, like, way too far, more than too far. There were two, um, one of them is Freely the Banana Girl, who's very, very mm. popular online, and another uh, leading vegan says a non-menstruating body indicates the body is clean. Nope. And again, clean living here is brought up as sort of the mantle of perfectionism. And that is a big old nope. That is a all of big that old is all of that is none nope. of that is real. All of that is garbage. Periods are not Don't toxic. Listen to that. Chronically missing a period can be serious cause for concern. Go see a doctor, and it's also a sign that you're you're at an unhealthy low body weight, yes. and that your body fat is so low that you are at risk of lots of health problems. One of which has to do with reproductive health. So that makes me yes. so angry. I mean, I I see that on I see that online a lot. This idea of with women and it's 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 toxic and awful this idea that some bodies are clean and some are not like right. there was this thing going around on Instagram where it was like if you were a woman show a picture of your underpants to show that there was no that you weren't um you know secreting anything Holy and that that meant that you were like very what? clean like i'm not kidding look huh. it up i love amy schumer's bit about <laughs> you're looking at you're, your your yeah. underwear have you seen that yeah so it's like i can't even repeat it y'all but go, look go it google up. it it's really funny um but yeah so this idea that some bodies bodies like 
secretes. Yeah, yeah, body secretes. You've blood, got discharges. Fluids, are discharges. Yeah. Honestly, like, I, think, I don't want to tell you what my situation looks like after a long day, but use your imagination. <laughs> it, that's normal. That's normal. And this idea that some bodies that don't do, you know, this very natural right. thing. Like sweating isn't yeah. pure or whatever. Yeah, I, 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 I think that we tell women that. Totally and, and it comes from this place right. of, like, shame about women's bodies. And it's it's so awful. Right. Yes. And there's a lot of ways in which being a vegan can be unhealthy. There's a, there are ways where it can be a part of a mental disorder, like mm-hmm. disordered eating, um, and a, an excuse to just get your mom off your back when you're really just trying to ne- never eat again. Right. Um, but also tr- just attempting the vegan lifestyle can be, um, nutritionally dangerous too. And I learned this the hard way. I had to, I had to do more homework than I thought I had to because your body loses a lot of enzymes that go into digestion. So that meant I needed to start taking probiotic supplements and drinking a boatload of kombucha, which is also a very privileged thing because kombucha is expensive. And I even looked into making my own kombucha. Y'all, that is hard to do. (laughs) And if you think meat production is gross... I don't want to touch a SCOBY, y'all. Yeah. I mean, it's, do you know what a SCOBY is? I don't want like to know. The gelatinous thing at the top. Ugh. It's like a living mushroom, God. basically at the top of a jar of fermenting tea that turns into kombucha. I love me some kombucha, but I don't want to see how that sausage is made either. <laughs> I remember the first time I had kombucha, I thought it, somebody had a bottle of it in their fridge and I thought it was like, it was like brightly colored. So I thought it was going to be like a Fruity. sweet juice. Yeah. It was no. not a sweet juice. It is basically tastes like vinegar, acidic, uh, tea, like, tea, but it's natural. It's good for you. It's full of probiotics. Turns out probiotics are good bacteria you need in your gut. And I have learned as a vegan, not only do I need probiotic supplements, but I also really needed B12 supplements. Mm. Um, I'm still worried about my iron intake and, and you know, you just have to be really mindful about where you're getting all your vitamins and minerals and all the protein you actually do need to be happy and healthy. And if I'm in a position where I can help my fellow animals on this planet out and not support an industry I don't like, like, then I feel really, I feel really good about it. But God forbid, can we, can we talk about the preachy vegan? Oh, preachy vegan. Well, I, yeah, I am definitely guilty of perpetuating the preachy vegan because I know some preachy vegans. You're not one of them, but I do. I have experienced a preachy vegan. I am a covert vegan. This is a big, scary step. I didn't want to do this episode, Bridget. Do you remember? Yeah. I was like, I don't want to come out as a vegan in a public way. People are going to hate me because it is easy to hate on vegans. It is. Why? Why is it so funny? Why? I don't get it. I, I mean, I think, it. I do think basic, there are it? these things in society, like people who do CrossFit. I don't know. There are just these things <laughs> that are like very easy to make fun of. And I don't know why. I know. If you do CrossFit, I'm not making fun of you. I, totally am, I am just saying that it's easy to make fun of you. I'm not making fun of you, but it is easy. <laughs> Look it up. Yeah. So I want to also acknowledge that we had a really wonderful um, listener write in. From, uh, her name's Margaret. She said, I, she, she gave us this idea to begin with. Actually, Margaret, thanks Margaret for this great idea. She talks about the benefits of veganism, how she felt better, how she learned so much about what goes into our food and products, which we barely even touched upon. But veganism is not just about food. It's also about the products you buy and all that stuff. But she goes, being a vegan is hard. Being a female vegan is even harder. I never intended to become a quote hippie on this journey. But due to our society and how we create products, I might as well be called one. Stereotypes surrounding vegans or hippies. She goes, these labels have such a negative connotation. Uh, you know, the judgment others give you is crazy. And when she said that, I wrote back to her saying, girl, yes, I feel like the minute I dare say the word vegan, people... Are, get, have like free reign to jump all over my case <laughs> for being kind of a yuppie or threatening their lifestyle. Or right. Somehow there's this like sense of judgment that is implied that every vegan is a quote preachy vegan and to be a preachy vegan is somehow bad. And I think all of that is, is undue. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it really can be cultural. Like I think that the same way that like that Woody Allen joke, like, Oh, I'll have the, he goes to California and it's like, I'll have the alfalfa sprouts and the plate of mashed yeast. Right. Like I think that <laughs> veganism might that. be, um, I think, I think it might be Amy Hall. Okay. Um, although he's a terrible person. So can we talk about that? Yeah. yeah. I don't even want to quote him because screw you, Woody Allen. Um, but 
curvy. You know, I think, yeah. <laughs> but I think that there, there can, can sort of be a cultural marker around it where veganism is that new thing where it used to be in the right. 70s, health food fads. Right. You know, I think that this is one of those things that I think becomes very popular with a very specific audience. Yeah, and yeah. it be- can become a shorthand for, mm-hmm. um, you know, like... Perceived privilege. The same way that, like, avocado toast, I think, now, and, like, lattes Guess for a while. Guess what I had for breakfast. Oh, I love avocado toast. I eat it. I used to have a, a sticker that said avocado toast on my laptop because oh I loved God! it so much. I love the um, stickers you have on your laptop. Thank you. I can't believe it once was uh, privileged enough to be in that, to make the cut. Yeah. Because you've got some really great, uh, that you use that real estate wisely. Yeah, I've got, I got some motifs going. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so I think that it's easy. It's one of those things that it's easy to be like, oh, this is a specific kind of person from a specific, you know, time. Socioeconomic yeah. time. There's a lot of privilege wrapped up in there. And it feels, don't you feel like it feels threatening? Like, why aren't you a vegan? Whenever I come out as vegan, it seems that people around me assume what I'm actually saying is why do you feel like it's okay to not be a vegan? I think that's totally a fair perception. Not anyone's in... Well, at least it's not my intent. Yeah. And here's the thing. I am grateful to those preachy vegans who helped share information with me without knowing that they were doing so that helped me learn about the industry. Yeah. I mean, I think that you're so right. I also think it's interesting what things in our society that people abstain from, where if you tell them, you're, you know, I don't eat meat, I don't drink... That they're like, oh, you don't? Like, that it's not just... Because if I was like, oh, I don't do crack. Right. <laughs> I would be like, yeah, good. Yeah, I don't, wa- I don't watch Friends. It wouldn't right. be like, oh, why? You know? You're right. So there's like neutrals. Yeah. Not just like obvious, uh, you know, agreement. Yeah, but it's 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 interesting how when you say you don't eat meat, it's typically a convert... Or you're a vegan. There's typically some conversation, whether it's yeah. from people asking questions about why or from people feeling, like, threatened. It's never yeah. just like, oh, okay. I literally go to great lengths to not tell waiters, even, that I'm vegan. I'll be like... Um, can I, can you keep this off of that? Or I'll ask for substitutions. And then finally, I was like going back and forth with some waiter recently this weekend who was trying to give me alternative suggestions. And I said, I'm, I'm a vegan. You know, I kind of like was almost embarrassed to say yeah. it because I know the, the cultural stereotypical backlash is there. It's, it's really a weird thing. Cause you don't want to be the person that's like, do you have any vegan options? Right. Well, I don't want to be that girl. When right. in reality, um, companies everywhere are making vegan options way more clearly available because of the demand and because it sells. And I think that's actually a really good thing. I'm thinking of, um, not Au Bon Pain, but, uh, the other French fast to go restaurant. It's all red Pret. branding. Yes. Pret a manger, one might call it, but Pret, Pret a manger, as we <laughs> Americans call it, have gone to great lengths to basically brand themselves as the, the go-to vegan resource. They do have some good vegan sandwiches. They do. I'm and they label lie. them as, you know, I think their window decor currently says for vegans and vegetarians and everyone. Yeah. So I, as a non-vegan, I had to sort of go through a transformation where I was okay with vegan food. I live next to a really, really popular um, vegan bakery called Sticky Fingers here yeah, in D.C. it's amazing. It is really good. Yeah. But I remember whenever anybody would bring me their vegan cupcakes for a while, I was like, vegan? I don't want these. And then, like, <laughs> eventually it's like... You know, I had to just accept that they are good. What's funny is that Brad has witnessed... I'm a big baker. He's witnessed me baking him his favorite cakes and recipes pre- and post-vegan. And we agree that there are certain recipes that when made vegan, which is easy to do, y'all. We could talk about that. But when made vegan are better. Mm, Like what? Which has been surprising. Um, This go-to chocolate cake of mine. I substitute the eggs with chia seeds. You can do like a chia egg. Another very... You just rolled your eyes when I, I said I was chia rolling eats. my eyes at something else. I said chia. I said chia seeds and she rolled her eyes. And then um, you can make buttermilk by taking almond milk and putting lemon juice in it. And it kind of curdles in this oh. way. That's an equivalency. Okay. And the cake comes out better. I'm telling you, I made this amazing we have chocolate to, We have cake. to taste test this. This okay. is a great excuse. Yeah. We'll do a follow-up yeah. episode where we taste test vegan I love it. versus non-vegan. You can see, the is it the Great American Baker? The Cupcake War. Cupcake oh, yeah, Wars that's Sticky Fingers was on Cupcake Wars. Oh, was that her? So yeah. she was like, the first vegan baker they had on was in a competition against two other cupcake bakers, as you might know, if you're an avid cupcake baker <laughs> fan like me. And she won. And she was like, this is a victory for vegans everywhere. Oh and I was like, God. go girl. I was like, go girl. Anyway. I'm trying not to make, I like want to make a joke, but I shouldn't. I want to so bad. I'm just saying, I think there's a lot more vegans out there than we know. And... 
I hope that it's not just a basic white girl thing. I really do. I think that's part of it is that it's like this Instagram clean eating, zero period, zero body weight type thing, which is like, I definitely am far, far from zero body weight. Yeah. Like, or zero body fat is what I've been doing. Right, right, right. No, and I I think, I think, I I actually see veganism getting more popular with, um, black folks. I really see that a lot. Um, and so I think, I, I think that, I do think that maybe it has grounding in this sort of like Instagram, Pinterest, clean eating, getting up early, going to the farmer's market, riding, riding your, you know, yeah. bike with a basket, this sort of like <laughs> ideal perfection lifestyle vibe, but I see it moving away from yeah. that, which is probably That's better totally for everybody. Not me too. Yeah. Yeah. But listen, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I'm being a sheepish vegan here. <laughs> Pun fully intended. Um, but, you know, I, I want to acknowledge that for me, going vegan definitely came with some weird backlash, some weird opinions from unsolicited, like, people who found my veganism somehow offensive. Um, like and- me. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, my mom was like, what am I going to cook you? Yeah. But, um, you know, and there are ways in which this can be used as a crutch for an eating disorder. But here, there's, like, tons of benefits. And for me personally, I actually just had my one-year annual physical with my doctor, which was just about, um, you know, I got blood work done just about a year ago, right before, a year and a half ago, right before I went vegan. Went vegan a, a month later, and now a year and a half of uh, veganism has done nothing but great things to my body personally. So from a health standpoint, um, you know, I didn't experience any negative effects. I take supplements to make sure I get all the probiotics I need and B12 supplements to make sure I'm not, uh, you know, missing out on any nutrients. But, you know, everybody is different in the most literal sense. You know, biodiversity is something you want to keep in mind when figuring out what kind of diet works for you. But personally, I am made to run on sugar, baby. I am like made to run on simple carbohydrates. And I think that you're a hummingbird. I'm a total hummingbird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, as I eat a high chew right now on air, which I'm unpeeling. But, um, you know, veganism really is the opposite of ketosis, which is, you know, the Atkins diet, which is really protein heavy and protein focused. Instead of burning protein for fuel, I'm basically burning simple carbohydrates, yay bread, and um, sugars. And for me, like fruits, vegetables, carbs, all of those things got along really well with my body. And I just want to make it clear that I am unabashedly, you know, pleased with how veganism has gone over for myself physiologically. And it felt really good to look back on the end of last year and think, wow, like for the vast majority of this year, I did not contribute to an industry I really fundamentally disagree with. And I don't miss it. Like, I, I like being able to live true to my values in that way. I think that there are some qualms that people have with veganism, but for myself personally, I found it to be a very rewarding lifestyle that had very few negative ramifications. And I just want to make that space for other vegans who are listening to this, like very unapologetic, you know, to just be clear that I think that that personally, I've very much enjoyed this. So yeah, I want to hear, you know, as a meat eater, I want (laughs) to hear all of y'all's like, what do you think? Like, I want to hear from meat eaters. What do you think about this? Do you want to go vegan, but you just love your, you know, um, pork tenderloin too much? Do you think veganism is BS? What do you think of ecofeminism? What do you think of this idea that Mm -hmm. to be a good feminist, it it, it might make sense to stop eating meat? I'm very curious. Yeah. So hit us up on the gram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. You can send us an email at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And you can, of course... Talk to us on Facebook and hit us up on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast. We cannot wait to hear from you. Mm-hmm.